Kathy was here. I'm so sorry, Kathy. Okay. I cannot go off. I never go off that side. So, okay. Is superstition okay in church? I don't know. I feel like I just sinned. Um, I just can't go up that way. So today is um, today's that one, at least once a year, at least once a year, we do uh, a sermon on money and giving, and that's this Sunday. And, and we do that for a couple reasons. Uh, one is it's very practical. So for a church to exist, it has to have money. And that's staff members, like myself, like you've got to have money. And I'm not unaware that I am the largest percentage of our church's budget. And I'm the one that gets to use God's word to convince you to keep giving. And I just happen to be the largest recipient. So I'm not unaware. I hope you don't hear self-interest here. But practically, we, you got to have money to exist as a church. And also, next week, we will present uh, the 2024 proposed budget. And then at our congregational meeting on December 10th, the members of this church vote on that budget. And that will be public next week. And so just be thinking about money just in the light of the, where we are during the year as a church family. So that's some practical reasons why we just do at least one sermon on money and giving. The other reason is because the Bible has a lot to say about giving, right? Am I on? Yes, I am on. Okay. Um, and so the Bible has a lot to say uh, about money and about giving. And what we're going to do very quickly is we're going to look at one of the most extensive passages on money and giving in the whole Bible. And before we do, I want to set the stage. So if you remember, the first church was established in Jerusalem just weeks after the resurrection of Jesus. And after that, more and more Christians began to gather there in Jerusalem and Judea, all around Palestine. And eventually, missionaries are sent out from the land of Palestine, particularly from uh, a place called Antioch, just north of Palestine. They're sent out, and they move into the Roman world, particularly the Mediterranean world. And they move into metropolitan areas, and you have non-Jews becoming Christians, and you have churches being established in quite prosperous areas of the Roman world. One of the, one of the main missionaries going about this was the Apostle Paul. We know him as the Apostle Paul. And after the Apostle Paul with his co-workers would establish churches all around the Mediterranean world, he would then write letters back to them encouraging them how to live for Jesus. And sometimes there'd be things that would come up he would need to write about specific to that church. But there was this one time in the first century when a famine, a very difficult period, hit Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. And the Christians in Jerusalem suffered greatly, particularly financially. And the Apostle Paul began to talk to those other churches in those more prosperous areas of the Roman Empire where he had established these churches and he began to encourage them, let's collect money to help our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. You know, you wouldn't even have the gospel if it wouldn't have started in Jerusalem. So let's take a collection and then we'll send the money back to help those in need. There was one church in particular, Paul wrote extensively about that collection, because they need a little bit of encouragement to finish the commitment they had started. They had started with, um, they had started very excited to spend a year collecting money to send 
to those Christians in Jerusalem. But by the end of that year, they were struggling to finish. And so Paul does a few things to encourage them to finish what they started. Here are the few things he does. He writes 2 Corinthians. We know it in the New Testament as 2 Corinthians. And a large chunk of 2 Corinthians is about this collection. It's about money, about giving. He points to other churches' examples, uh, to other churches as examples of generosity. Look at what they've done. You could do the same thing. And then he sends his co-worker Titus to make sure they give generously. In case all else fails, he sends a co-worker to make sure that they finish the collection. And so what I want to do is take a look at two passages within chapters 8 and 9 and draw out a few lessons. And then we'll get to application. So if you have a Bible with you and you want to turn with me, we'll be in 2 Corinthians. We'll be in chapter 8. We'll start in verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. We'll read the first seven verses. He writes this. Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. The Macedonian churches, by the way, are where Philippi would, um, would be. So this, he'd be speaking of those Christians in Philippi. We think of it as the letter to the Philippians. Paul has just complimented what God has been doing among them. Verse 3, Now I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in love, we, we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. There is much to study here. But let's pull out a key truth. Paul points to the churches in Macedonia. The Philippians would be in that region. And what Paul's telling them is God's grace got a hold of the Philippians. And it did a lot of good. When God's grace got a hold of them, it began to change everything about them. And in one way in particular, we saw that change is they started to give. When God's grace got a hold of them, they began to be so generous. They gave beyond their, beyond their ability to help those in need. And so that tells us something about God's grace. God's grace will literally transform every part of you. But in particular, how you view money and how you use it. So let me let me say it this way. I, I think it's pretty witty. really like it. I don't ever set you up like this, but this one is one of my coolest ones, I feel like. So here we go. God's grace doesn't just get you to heaven. It gets you to generosity, too. It will. Because you don't know, we typically think about God's grace getting you to heaven, right? And we have that wonderful song, Amazing Grace. Well, God's grace will also get you to generosity. And that's one of the things Paul here is highlighting. And he wants to make sure that the grace that has already been transforming their hearts, the grace that has already been pushing them to generosity, that it will be brought to completion, that they don't fall short 
and become stingy. So he sends Titus to make sure this act, this grace of giving, this act of giving, this generosity, will they follow through on that commitment to help those Christians over in Jerusalem. Paul continues, we'll pick up chapter 9, verse 6. We're skipping a lot of what Paul has to say here. Verse 6, chapter 9. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly, well, they're also going to reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written... They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for His incredible gift. There's a lot there. Let me highlight a few things here. So we're going to put these up on the slide. This first one is this. The first principle to draw out is, is it coming? It's not. The computer can, okay. You can't outgive God. You can't. There are so many places right here in this passage, but let me just bring us back to one here. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. If you are generous, God will continue to provide. You can't outgive God. It's just not possible. Let's go to the next one. It's this. Giving leads to God's glory. And this, this is highlighted just a few places here, but if we stick at the last part of verse 11, your generosity, Paul says, will result in thanksgiving to God. He says the same thing in the last few verses as well. When you give, particularly to the Lord's work, It goes out and literally God's grace begins to transform more and more people. And the result of that is God gets glory and there is more and more thanksgiving being given to God. That's that's, that's literally what we've seen throughout all of Christian history. As people have given so that people's needs are taken care of and missionary work is done, literally the thanksgiving going up to God throughout the world has increased. For the last 20 centuries. So when you give, it ultimately will lead to God's glory. Last one is this. Giving meets needs. And don't miss this. So, man, I don't want to take away from God's glory, but also don't miss the practical piece of all of it. Paul in verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people. It's going to do a lot of other stuff. But one thing that happens when you give, when you are generous, is it meets needs. 
and we desperately, um, we desperate, I don't even know where that sentence was going. I don't know where I was going to go with that. Sometimes I start a sentence, see if it'll finish itself. It didn't, it didn't, it died. It died out of my mouth. There are needs in our world. Maybe I was going to say we live in a desperate world where people have needs. Maybe that would have been a much better way to say it. But our giving meets needs. Okay? So that's just a, man, that's just a real quick, a quick pass through on something we could spend weeks studying. But God's grace will literally transform how you handle, treat, use money. And you cannot outgive God. It will lead to God's glory. Generosity will lead to God's glory. And it meets needs. Okay, all of that right there. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Now, what in the world does that look like on the ground? Well, we did this about four years ago. And I thought, well, it's probably time to do it again. We're just going to talk to you about what that looks like in the eighth household. It's not perfect, but we got a story. Because the subject of giving is very close to my heart and Tessa's heart because it's been such a a very vulnerable uh, and very key part of our marriage. So, uh, Tess, come on up. Here we go. We haven't scripted any of this. I told Tess where the sermon was going. And there there we are. So here we go. Here, let let me get your seat. I'm so sorry. I got mine first. Okay. I just wanted to start off right. So, the thing that we talked about was sharing kind of how um, our, like, our marriage. So, we've been married this July. We celebrated 21 years. So, we were married very young. Um, and kind of how, um, how our relationship with God and how we've been transformed and how giving has been a real key part of that. So, you begin. We were married. Um, we like we both grew up like in knowing Jesus and all of the things. And um, so he was working as a youth minister, and we were both in college, so that was a whole thing. Um, and we did not make. We thought it was a whole lot of money, but it's not a lot of money. Um, I remember my sister at one point like coming and bringing me a pack of underwear, and she was like. I was like, but it's not in the budget. Um, anyway, so all that is to say is that we didn't really have a whole lot, and so then we, but we still tied on what we had, and we had like a very like ten percent mentality because that's kind of the way that we were raised, and um, we made it all the way through undergrad and one year through his grad school before we ever even took student loans at that point. Um, and we like had an accident, like a bad accident, and then someone gifted us a car. It was like, mm-hmm. I was in the wow. ICU for several days and in the hospital for several weeks. But, and and again, like we did not like we had like whatever the college insurance was because we were poor and mm-hmm. all you know according to American standards or whatever. Um, but our church family was really the one that kind of stepped up and like helped us out um, and did all these things. Anyway, so then we got to the point where um, Jason was getting ready to go to UT to work on his the University of Tennessee, not the University of Texas. I feel compelled to say that, I guess. 
Um, and like our our tithe was enough that we could put away for his student loans. And um, like we we worked all kinds of odd jobs. Like he was still the youth minister there for a while. Oh, like the janitor. The entire time, yeah, we worked as the church janitors. I did the children's ministry. I mean, it's a really small church. Like when we had Rylan and Ethan, like the nursery size doubled. The median age was about the age of the people that um, were uh, the median average church attendance was approximately the age of the people who attended kind of thing. So it was small, but it was a very loving and giving church. But um, we were like, oh, we just, we rationalized. We give so much of our time, and, like, we're always at stuff. Like, surely we can tie in a different way other than, like, monetary things. And so that was um, the beginning of the slippery slope to where we were. So he was in grad school. Um, we had two kids. I was working as a teacher. And most of the time that he was in grad school at UT, he um, only worked as, like, an adjunct TA kind of thing. So he taught some classes and got some money, but it wasn't enough for a family of four to live on, especially when you're looking at just a teacher's salary. Um, and daycare. And day, yeah, daycare is like, you might as well just sell a kidney. Yeah. Get, get yourself through one semester of two children in a daycare. And, and I think it's important here, too, that, like, I wasn't in a good space spiritually. Like, I was very full of myself. Um, I feel like Don would remember this, but there was this last time we did this, I used a word about myself uh, that I won't use here. It, it slipped out. But, like, I was I was a jerk, and I was very, like, consumed with myself and my academic career. And so, like, rationalizing, not giving was very easy. And so, like, I think our, like, especially my relationship with God, drifting, like, was, like, that was a, it was connected to this, like, dark slope we were on. Really, kind of important too that sometimes we we would justify like we didn't we didn't use all, all of our clothes were secondhand clothes we didn't have any car payments we um, never went out to eat unless it was like at a Mexican restaurant and we were like everybody gets one taco <laughs> um, and uh, we we didn't go on vacation um, and I mean I, I, well, think, I think our I, parents paid for it, yeah, yeah. Would, so, like, we would just go and, like, maybe cook a meal or something like that. Um, but, but we lived very frugally, mainly because we had to. But uh, we also lived on credit cards. And every once in a while, I'd be like, does anybody need this? Is this anybody else? It's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Listen, we sell the house. Like, we'll have enough to pay off all the credit card debt. And then we're going to move on. And student loans. It's like, yeah, everything's going to be fine. Just trust me. And so then as he got to the end of, or like, like he had defended, or he had taken his comprehensive exams, he was working on his dissertation, and we were like, oh, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to need to move soon. And so like, it was kind of when the housing market had crashed and like things were staying on the house market for like two years because nobody was buying anything. So we were like, well, we'll just, we'll just put our house up on the market. We'll see what happens. If we have to move into an apartment, this is what we'll do. And so, um, at the time, we kind of hadn't figured out, like, we bought in the height of the housing market, and we were selling in the trough of the housing market. And um, we ended up, we did sell our house, but we paid somebody $1,000 to close on it. Yeah, so we had racked up a bunch of credit card debt. We weren't tithing. I was very far from God. I think our marriage is struggling at this point, and... And so he says, um, hey, I don't see 
that I can be a college professor because I don't think that what I'm doing is the most important thing in the world. And in order to do that, I think I have to think that my degree is the most important thing. Like full time. So we've been doing part time, and so yeah. Um, so uh, we kind of spread out the job market, and long story short, we ended up in Indiana. And um, all of the other people who moved around, we realized how expensive moving is. Um, and so not only did we move, we moved, I mean, like moved houses, like we moved states, states. And we didn't know anybody, and so we rented an apartment up there. And um, I was like, teachers can find a job anywhere. This teacher could not find a job um, because I had two years of experience, and I had a master's degree in Indiana State Law. I just said, hey, we're we're going to pay you what you're worth, and then they said, but you're worth too much, so no thank you. Um, and so I took a job as a PA. I was. I had a master's degree, and I was a reading specialist, and I was getting paid $8.50 an hour. Um, and because that's what I could, that's what we could get. And I was like, mm. We had a lot of credit card debt, a lot of expense from the move. Uh-huh. And he was on staff at the, at the church, and, and we didn't have any insurance and all the things. And um, then, uh, like, things kind of got a little bit tense between us, but, you know, we're trying because we want to do this Jesus thing, and then um, on Saturday, oh, and we went from a church of, like, about 70 people to a church of about 4,000 people, so that was a big culture shock, and I was, you know, I'm not really the most congenial person to pay off to get to know people, so it was kind of lonely, and um, Jason comes home one day, and he's like, um, Chris, we have to start tithing, and I was just like, with, with what money? What money are we going to start tithing with? We can't even afford groceries. And he's like, well, like at church, like we've got to fill out this card, and if I make this promise, like we're going to have to follow through on it. So um, we pull out the nice um, measles ledger pad, and we sat down and we started writing all of the things out. And then we were like, okay, well, what's flexible? Like what can we get down as much? Well, we don't, we don't really eat that much. And like our car stuff is still okay. Like beans and rice. It'll be fine. And um, and we did. Uh, as a family of four, like including like all of our toilet paper, we would, we had one hundred dollars a week. That's all I could spend on us and the two children. And um and we started tithing. Well, um, and those were those were painful checks. It right? was. It was. And Satan was like, Wah-ha-ha-ha. um, FYI, you're no longer a full time student. So. All of your student loans are due. Like, this is a really significant moment. Mm-hmm. So it was more, like, the student loan payment was more than what we brought in in a month. And I was like... So, yes, if you're doing the calculation, I took a lot of student loan debt. Um, and we are on the cusp of that being discharged. Yeah. I'm so sorry. You're taking away the <sighs> so sorry. It's also 1046. Okay. I'm so sorry. Okay. And there are people in here that will show me their cell phone in the aisle. You want me to stand beside you as they walk out today? <laughs> go on, go on, go on. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to speak. Um, and so at that point, I was like, yep, never going to get a house, never going to get out of debt. I hate it here, and I don't know anybody, and I was 
of really good teachers, and I had friends, and I think I'm just going to use that not still, and I'm taking my children with me, business. Uh-huh. And he said, well, wait, 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 we'll go to counseling. Counseling costs money. And I said, okay, you get the money for the counseling, then you get the money for the babysitter because we can't take our heathen children in with us. And then you also get the money to pay your student loan debt. And then, yes, I will consider working on it. And um, he did, actually, all of those things. So the church had um, some counseling services already built in. They said, yep, we'll, like, we will pay for this. You go to you, you figure out who you want. We'll pay for that. And then um, we were also a part of a life group um, who I wasn't, like, super connected with because we were still pretty new there. And they said, absolutely, we will watch your children, drop, drop them off. And that was very um, humbling because then, you know, you have to dig up their problems and all of the things. And so we kind of started down that road. And then that December, we were <laughs> visiting my, um, my family for Christmas. And um, we all ate out of the same, like, chip-dip bowl. And of the 45 people that typically go to my grandma's house, we all ended up with the stomach virus. All of us were showing up wherever we were. And so it delayed our trip back to Indiana and actually kind of curbed some of our plans. We ended up going to Virginia to see his family instead of them coming and visiting us. And God decided to visit me. And I'm not super great at ethereal God. There are a lot of people who are better than me at this. Um, but God came to me in a dream, and he was like, you need to have another child. And I was like, um, no, God, I do not think so. I do not even know if I want to stay with this man. I told him that I would get him three months. I am sure it's like not having another baby. And again, I, God, I, I, I need to insert. money. Can you imagine over a decade ago, 11 years ago, that someone would laugh at that part of our story? I know. It was real sad. No, it's okay if you laugh. Like, God has redeemed that. But, like, we were right there at the divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, now go on. Yep. Um, God's on my side. He told you we have to have a kid. Uh-huh. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I just keep together some more ironic questions. So, for three consecutive nights, I woke up, like, verbally debating with that. Like, I woke myself up. And um, I didn't wake anybody else up, apparently. And so, finally, on the way, like, we'd gone to Virginia, and we were driving back to Indiana, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to tell you this, Jason, because if I don't, God is no, he's not going to let me sleep anymore, and I really need to sleep. Um, and I don't want you to say anything, because I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this thing that God is telling us to do, because I don't like you. But here's what God is telling us to do. And he was silent. And it's important that for, for years you had wanted another kid, and I kept saying, it's my career, it's, it's what I want to do in life, we can't afford it, like, we had stopped tithing, like, I mean, I, I, and I, I was ruining our family, and yet, you say this after years of me saying, no more, I want another kid, go ahead. Yeah, um, and, and he said, after 30 minutes, he's like, yeah, let's do this. And I was like, oh, I don't want that answer either. Um, and so, uh, keep in mind, $8.50, tithing, a gazillion million dollars worth of student loans, really not. I mean, it was in the six figures, but. Um, and no insurance. And so, uh, for a year, we 
grad and um, like kind of to fast forward, I, uh, I finally did end up getting a job. Um, Which was huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was amazing. It was. We paid off our credit card debt yep. within three months. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so then when we would write out the budget, there was always this like significant, I mean, I remember changing out the pens from black to red. And there was like this whole like significant portion that was in red. Things that we were going to have to choose to pay. Like, hey, um, I just want to let you know, I'm not going to pay my light bill this month, but I'll get you next month. Promise to be at the top of the list. Um, but somehow, and it wasn't like, like we, no magical checks appeared in the mail or anything like that. But somehow, there was always, like, money to pay the debt stuff off. And um, it was fantastic. I mean, in the fact that, like, it, it was life-affirming that it, we weren't in control. If, if we, anyway, so moving forward. Um, sorry, I'm now very mindful of time. Um, <laughs> yeah, me, me too. He is too. Uh, so he, he, Jason, he just kept like kept us saying like, okay, we're gonna keep fighting. But he was the one that did all the money, paid all the bills. Like if he would have died and gone away, I would have had no idea where everything, where anything was. Um, and so, um, kind of like we ended up having Ava. It worked out like. Because, you know, when you start at a new school district or within a new state, you have to work for them for, like, a certain period of time before you get any kind of paid leave. And um, literally, to the day, like, I had worked a year, and then I could get maternity leave when I found out that I was pregnant with Ava. And I was like, okay. I mean, like, we still had to pay out a lot, but we had insurance and all the other things. Like, we didn't get a paid maternity leave. I just get paid for maternity leave. Um... And so then, uh, oh, while we were pregnant, too, we found out that we could not have a, a third child while living in our apartment. We were going to have to leave regardless. And I was like, oh, well, crap. Um, we can't afford a house. And so then we talked to some people, and we're like, well, maybe you, maybe you can afford a house. And we just bought a house. That was huge. We never yeah. thought we could do that again. Mm-hmm. The boys said it was over because they were still kind of smallish. They were like, this is a mansion. I was like, no, it's just more than a thousand square feet. <laughs> um, they had their, uh, they had the ability to have their own rooms. They didn't, but um, all of the things they thought that you know we were. They had a yard to play in and a playground, and it was great. Um, anyway, so then um, we became friends with um, a, another couple who was very good with money, and in a just really kind of sidebar conversation, he talked about how he budgeted things, and I was like, oh, I, I like that. I like that. And so I was praying about it. I was like, Jason, how do you think that I need to be in charge of our budget from now on? And he, that was never, like, super okay with him. Like, the banging was like, sure, here you go. And um, I sat down with this guy, and he um, he had he led a very interesting path. And um, he was very knowledgeable about finances, and God had re- has his whole redemption story, which it would be amazing about why he was helping us do this. And so then he taught me how to budget. And so I had, like, all of these ledger items. I had tabs, and then I would go in and write it in because I really hate Excel. But now my new job, I 
that have started working with people who can develop spreadsheets, and I'm a little bit more comfortable with that. So we've actually switched to electronic versions. Last time I said this, I swore to you that I would never do electronic versions, but I do now. Um, but when we got to the point where we, like, had some money in the bank and we could kind of turn around and look back, it was amazing the things that God allowed us to go through um, and he provided us for that I was very blind to. Like, things lasted an extraordinarily long period of time that would not or should not have lasted. Our clothes, our food, and um, kind of in that season, as we were reflecting on where we had come from, the Deuteronomy passage about how God, all the 40 years that the people walked through the wilderness, God let their shoes and clothes last. Can you imagine not buying clothes for 40 years or shoes? I can't. I love shoes. They know. Oh, they know. I know. Okay. I, I was playing on that. Yes. You already did. Good point. Good point. Okay. Um, and then, there, but there were other things that we were able to do through throughout a lot of this. And then we, we've gone through some dips and valleys and some unsure times of like, oh, I don't, I don't know how we're going to do this. Like, Michael was born right at the time that Jason um, was segueing from his job in Cary to here. And um, I remember being like eight months pregnant with him, and he's like, yes, I'm not working here anymore. I'm, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm like, okay. And you live in Cary, and you are on a teacher's salary. That's even worse than living in Indiana on a PA salary. Um, and and we just kept walking, and we were able, like, even during that period of time, we did get a lot of people who gifted us some money, but um, we helped put one of our cousins on a mission trip. We gave her, like, like $7,000. Was it? Did you? Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. But, but I was in charge of the money, and I was just like, hey, do you want to? If y'all don't mind for a second. We really? Man, I mean, I knew we were generous, y'all, but we are very generous people. This is, follow your pastor's example. This is good. Okay, keep going. The time, I'm so sorry. Okay. So, I, I feel like the giving portion, like our money, it's the one thing that we feel like we have some control over. Like, I went to work, and I did the things, and I put up with the people, and I earned this money. This is my money. I did it. And you really didn't. Like, God has, in, in my interpretation of kind of like where I am in my walk with this, God has given us limits and boundaries to live in. And sometimes I don't like those limits and boundaries. I don't like telling my kids, like, nope, I'm sorry. We cannot afford this this much. Or, yep, we're not going to go on vacation this year. Because sometimes I feel like, well, I, I have earned that. Like, I deserve to go on vacation. Or when I see my other friends go, I'm like, well, I should be able to do that too. But it's not about them, and it's not about me. Like, living within my boundaries gives me the opportunity to be able to give to others. And that really truly is when I'm the most happy. Because, I mean, like, you really want to go on vacation with kids? that are for No, you don't want to do that. You come home and you want a vacation from your vacation. Um, but it's a lot more life-giving. I'm sorry, I do love going on vacation. It's a lot more life-giving to be able to say, like, hey, I've got this, so 
so here you go. Um, and know, knowing that I had been on both the receiving end of that and the giving end of that, you can't always be on the giving end. Sometimes you've got to be the, the people to be able to take it to the procedure that you're in. And so, like, so you're going to see in the budget for next year, like, there's a raise for all the staff people. And, like, literally, Tess and I, like, just yesterday, I was like, hey, we're, gonna, we're raising our tithe. Um, like, that's a real thing for us. And it, every month, we'd write that tithe check. And we <laughs> like, there's some months it's like, man, that tithe money, it could go over here. Like, we're, we're, we're at a point, though, where, like, that's not even a temptation. But when you look at the number and the other stuff you want, you're like, I mean, it kind of it kind of could work. And we do 10%, um, and sometimes we give beyond that, and there's probably been seasons where we've been under that. But we try to make 10% our, our target, but, like, it's not always been easy, but it literally was that. It was the concrete seeing it, doing it, that was all part of, like, God transforming us. And literally, I could have never, we never could have anticipated this, but God has blessed us. Like, I think our faithfulness, when we didn't think we could be faithful, God has blessed that. So to speed you up on what we said about our student loans, like my student loans, there's a program the federal government offers for working at a nonprofit. East 10th, unfortunately, was not part of that program. So I applied for it to be part of that program. After a year, I've been living with this for over a year, um, waiting for an answer from the Department of Education and the IRS. And about three months ago, we got word that East 10th is now considered part of that program. And I am now in forbearance um, because it, we are just awaiting discharge of over six figures of student loan debt as part of this federal program. It is, it literally, until we see it, like we get a piece of paper that says the balance is zero, but we never could have anticipated that. And we, and I do, I think God was trying to be faithful with the little we had. It, maybe this is God's way of blessing us back. But it's... And, and I, but I don't want you to ignore the fact, too, that that student loan, like, we paid on that student loan debt yes. in the last two. Yes. And, but every time, like, we looked at it, we were like, oh. Yes. And, and that was, and the student loan debt is, it, just in case, so we're clear, it, it, it was a sinful decision. It was sin. Like, it was rooted in my selfishness. I'm not saying student loans are sin. I'm saying my student loans were sin because they were completely rooted in my arrogance, my ambition. It, we sh- I should have never done that. And it's been one of the greatest regrets of my life. Um, but God seems to be redeeming it. And it's, but yeah. So we tell you our story because if you think like us talking about money is just something that, well, we want you to give so that we can live. Yes, we do. Um, but, but I also want you to know, like, we're here together. Like, we tithe. Like, that is a part. And if we were not, if I was not the pastor and I was just a church member, we would still tithe. This is not about me being a pastor. This is about us being followers of Jesus. Good? No. Be, but stay here because we're going to do the next step. Trudy, are you okay if we cut the last song? I knew you were going to suggest it anyway. Okay. Thank you so much. We'll do communion and then we'll have a closing prayer. Um, next step, just so we're clear on where we're going with this. Here it is. I'll read it off this slide. You'll see it on this. Uh, Carol, can you hit us with the next step and we'll end this section. So here's what I'm asking. If you consider, this is if you consider East 10 your church family, 
Like, if you've been attending or you've joined, but, like, this is kind of where you're at. Oh, okay. Oh, good catch. Okay. I want to be alone. More than one job. Okay. Um, if you consider each in your church family, seriously consider doing one of these. Start giving if you haven't, or increase your giving as a step of faith in what God's doing here. So that's my challenge to you. If you're visiting East Tenth, or you've only been coming for a few weeks, and you're really not sure about East Tenth, but you know there are other people where you could give, give to those places. Like, this isn't a, like, I'm not trying to bait and switch you and use God's authority to guilt you into giving to East Tenth. Like, if you think you're here, then give a large portion of your giving here to help us as a church family. But, like, give to other places, too. Like, you might have other people you want to bless. Like, bless them, too. Like, God will take care of what we need here at East 10th. The goal here, the next step is, if you're if you were where Tess and I were, and you aren't giving at all, or you're giving as little as you can because you don't want to be challenged, don't want to be pressed so hard, my challenge here is, start. Test God on this. Test God and start giving. And if East 10th's your place, then give at East 10th. But if you've got another place, then give there. Um, so that's the challenge. Anything else? Amen.